When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one listen to a really good cry with radhi devlukia on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts today's episode was recorded before the sag after strike began on july 14th table for two thanks you as always for tuning in and supporting entertainers Hey everybody, and thank you for pulling up a chair for today's episode of Table for Two. We're sitting at the iconic Lobster Roll in Amagansett, New York, and we're about to have another great lunch. Okay, well, look who I see coming my way. Hey, beautiful. I'm going to give you a hug. We're hungry today. I'm always hungry. My guest today is a dear friend, incredible actress, and brilliant business person. She's currently celebrating 25 years of her show, Sex in the City, with season two of And Just Like That on Max. She also has a stylish footwear line, a book imprint, and her own food column. Yes, folks, she's a serious foodie. Up and there's your beefsteak tomato. Oh my God. (laughs) Being at the lobster roll, Eating and letting the conversation meander always feels like a classic peak summertime activity. And there's no better way to celebrate the height of the season than having lunch with today's guest, my friend, Sarah Jessica Parker. Cheers. Here, cheers, Slancha. What are you saying in Italian? Salute, 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 salute. Oh my God, salute. I'm such a moron. (laughs) I'm Bruce Bozzi, and this is my podcast, Table for Two. So I tend to, I order a lot. Okay. Um, I have a food column. So my editor always wants me to, you yeah. know, have more. If we're not going to be a party of four, we, we can all share a lot of dishes. Right. Could you well, remind everyone, like, of the, um, the newspaper? Con- <laughs> <laughs> it's the Gannett. It's a wire service. Okay. So it's, like, syndicated the across, Gannett. across a America. Lot, a lot of the- papers. Okay. Well, I mean, over sort of the course of, launching a show like mm-hmm. and just like that season two da, da, da. what's difficult in the process of like okay now you did all that work I think for, for me it's not it's been really pleasant because I I decided that it's very different than it used to be to launch anything um, news and the way we talk about things the pace of our lives and social media and this just like revolving door of the news cycle is like our daily life like Mm -hmm. so trying to talk about something that's important is just different than it used to be in the old days you'd have press junket days you'd go on every talk show you'd do you know you'd pick a few nighttime shows morning shows afternoon shows you'd do newspapers you would do a syndicated you would meet with everybody you'd meet with the foreign press and it was formal and organized and it was um it was a lot of work which was fine if you if it's something you care about but now you're sort of it's 
I feel like it's fluid. So meaning like it keeps changing. Like what's the best way to make impact? How do you reach an audience? You know, what are you, are you doing it via social media? Are you doing it on a podcast? Are you doing it on, there's just, so for me, I decided that there's so much information about the show already. Right. You know, then it just becomes more, you get more um, concentrated about what you want to do. So I was like, I want to do, you know, one or two magazines right. and you know one or two visits in the morning and you know did Diane Sawyer and then Cynthia and Kristen and I did Good Morning America mm-hmm. together you know I did the New Yorker and I did Vogue yep. and you I Kara Swisher and that way it feels very specific and yeah. like targeted and I don't mean in a strategic way but I guess it is but it's just thoughtful so you're not just throwing yourself out there and seeing you know just randomly kind of what yeah. you know I don't does that make sense it, it just feels sense. much more disciplined and Howard and you did Howard you were great on Howard did, yes I did um, Howard forgive me of course my goodness you know, yes. but the you know the yes, thing that Howard. do you think because you know on Instagram there's a pretty great account for in just like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like so mm-hmm. like all leading up to the season, I feel as the as a fan, as a viewer, we're kind of getting primed. You're seeing it and I think we you know, you have to do that now if you're a show that shoots on the streets all the time. So now with phones, with cameras, everybody's yeah. shooting what we're doing anyway. So you have to also have to figure out how to wrangle all that and right. have it be our offerings as well as the public's offerings. Right. So that's active. And I, I have an Instagram account and I'm, you know, I always, I have a very conflicted relationship with how to use that and, you know, what In is work. In regard to work? I think I just always, there's so many things I want to talk about. There's things that are personal and not business oriented, but because I didn't start off an Instagram account promoting work. Right it feels harder for me to do it now as if I'm exploiting any of the followers. But when I don't share information about work, people are like, why didn't you share that? Got it. So it's a little harder for me than it is for other people who mm-hmm. just began always. Business. Business, business, right. business. And the two were mixed and the lines weren't blurred. It was just like, this is part of my life. So yes. I try to post about the show or about my wine or my fragrance or shoes or books or whatever it is, but I'm glad that we have official accounts too where you can direct yeah. people because it feels... I was wondering how you felt about that because when I first popped hard. up, I thought, oh, is this official? Is it not? Yeah, that's official through um, HB, we're Max, Max now. Right. And then we have an amazing one that is run through our costume department, which okay. is incredible. I don't think I know that one. Um, it's called, I think, And Just Like That Costumes. Okay. And the Max one is great too, um, but costumes is a kind of deeply personal it's yeah. sort of it has a sort of in real time and it's Molly Rogers who's our costume designer and Danny who is Yet incredible again, like the incredible. costumes go so, next level um, yeah do you find you know I spoke to Scarlett had lunch with me Johansson I heard it it was so great Scarlett well, would say how difficult it is to shoot on the streets of New York City. And alternately, when she sees a crew shooting, it, make, it gets her, even when it's like not her, she's <laughs> nauseous, she gets queasy, but also That's like... so funny. And when she was shooting... I mean, shooting, it's not funny, I don't mean that. But. No, but it, what it evokes for people mm-hmm. like yourself, I know that happens to you. How difficult is it to get through a take? I mean, on a practical level, it's hard because the crowd control is an issue, um... So if you're shooting a scene on Perry Street, for instance, and there's 400, 500 people. Right. I mean, hello. You have to, first of all, get equipment through there. And then you're asking everyone, please, you know, be quiet when we call action. No cameras, no shutters. Right. Um, No response to the scene. Because now they're just witness like you're in a proscenium stage, you know, like a theater. Um, More complicated than that because the, the crowds tend to be really cooperative, sweet. They're excited to be there. Some are New Yorkers, some aren't. Some are people just hanging out. I mean, as equal to the street people are the people that are out hanging out their windows. Wow. In their apartments, fire escapes. Crazy. Leaning out. But it's the paparazzi that is a more complicated affair because you can hear their shutters and it can ruin a take. And they are, because you don't own the streets, you get a permit. 
but we don't dictate sidewalks to some degree. We have a footprint, but they are typically right next to the lens or right over the shoulder of the person whom you're playing opposite in a scene. So they are in your eye line all the time, and some are doing it purposefully, um, and some are that's kind of where they've found themselves because they've watched rehearsal, they know what the scene is. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard, and that's taken a really... It's been years and years and years of that, and some of them are more provocative than others. But I think it's just that is our cross to bear, and we sort of have to make peace with it, and I I struggle with it a little bit. But what are you going to do? I mean, we can't be inside. We don't want to be inside. We want to be on the streets of New York, and we want to be active, and we want to be able to still have scenes that are exciting, you know, and interesting and dramatic and funny and absurd. Yeah. So you just Well, the do city it. is such an important character. Yes. You made that way back when. I mean, and your love of New York and, you know, and Matthew's love of New York, your husband, and my love, like that. For for the show, that's key. And when you watching you guys walk down the street, is it's magical. Thank you. We love it. And I will say, the way that it works is an incredible AD department. Okay. Um, as well as our crew, who are just really used to it. And they're used to the crowds. They're used to moving equipment in and out and there is much a part of making it possible uh-huh. as anybody else like as any of our emotional kind of right exchanges with it hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher i'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of the girlfriends In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us on Table for Two. Carrie Bradshaw is one of the most memorable TV roles of the past quarter century. And over the years, Sarah Jessica has truly brought her to life. I'm curious, what's it like to prepare to play such an iconic character? I once watched a documentary on Marilyn Monroe, and she was talking to, I think, Susan Strasberg at the time. Mm. And she was about to go down the stairs, and there were all these press and the people there. And she said, do you want to see her? Watch, well, do you want to see her? And she Marilyn meant, was talking about herself. Talking about herself. And when she went down the stairs, wow. she looked at the, the press, and her voice changed, mm. and then Marilyn showed up. Mm, mm. Is there something in your day wow. when you go to work, and, and now you're bringing Carrie Bradshaw to life? Is, it, is there a piece of jewelry? Is there a moment where you go, Carrie's here. She's in the room now. Action. 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 Yeah. I mean, you walk to the set. Maybe up sweatpants covering part of your outfit because it's 24 degrees. Right. And it's February. And you have your own tote bag with your books and your phone in it and a snack or whatever. And you have maybe a parka on over a ball gown. Right, right. Um, and gloves and, you know, silk liners underneath. Mm-hmm. And then you rehearse and then you strip. And the minute that you take all of the outer layers off and anything that's keeping you comfortable or closer to you because it's for you versus for Carrie, the minute I take it off and someone calls action. She's there. Yeah. I mean, she isn't always there exactly as I want her because that's the nature of acting is it's like you're not a machine. Right. So you can't like push a button and say like, Carrie sad, Carrie silly, Mm -hmm. Carrie confused. Yeah. So she's there as much as I can control, but that's when it is. It's not before and it's not after cut. Interesting. That's really, I mean. But you have to have all those layers off t- right. to do it, you know? And you have to be totally willing to have all the things away from you that are comfortable. Right. Because that would distract from. It's then it's not, you're not complete. Right. Yeah. Were you amazed? at the effect that you had in New York with style and with women and men um, in the 90s. I really, you get, I, you know, you're credited and justifiably so for really shifting a whole conversation and look. And now again, so I guess my question is, were you, like, when, was there a moment that you looked across the street and saw somebody and you are like, She's dressed like Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah, I think over time, and I, I will say that really is Pat Field and Molly Rogers. Originally, you know, Pat was our original costume yep. designer, as you know. She's incredible. Molly Rogers was there from day one of the original show. So I think what we all recognized, the ways in which the show was influencing life, whether it was the flower, mm-hmm. you know, or the Carrie nameplate. Yep. Or, you know, t- walking down the street with two purses versus one. Yeah. Or two pocketbooks versus one pocketbook. <laughs> or, or, or. You'd right. start to see young women gathered four and five on a Sunday for brunch. Right. And you'd just see more of it. Or groups of women walking. You'd see um, a kind of uh, emotional life that wasn't as visible in certain ways. But the, co- the clothes had a huge impact. And I think that was because... Pat never, and Molly, Pat, they never felt that they had to answer to anybody or apologize. I'll I'll speak specifically to Carrie, who has a very specific relationship with fashion, as well vintage. So I think, you know, there were lots of hits, and there were, in many people's opinion, lots of misses. And to us, none of it was a mistake. Right. Like, you you had to take an approach and be totally monogamous to an aesthetic idea. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, like in anything, it's arresting. You know, if somebody writes a book and uses a voice that you've never read before, everybody's going to talk about it. Yeah. Or think of early images on MTV and what made us all stop. Yep. 
and watch a video a hundred times. You know, music, architecture, mm -hmm. you know, anything. Anything that feels fresh, unique, um, un yet unseen, but not arbitrarily so. You can't just be ridiculous because you can be. Right. And it really doesn't look like there's any point of view or perspective. It looks just like you're trying to be right. controversial. And, exactly. Right. Like, so I, I feel like the things that were influential were because they were a real choice. Yeah. Um, and then you, you know, you know, in the beginning, I've told this story many times, that we didn't have anything in the beginning. Nobody would loan us anything. Um, we were getting most of Carrie's wardrobe from vintage and consignment shops and Century 21. Wow. Um, occasionally, we could afford a dress off the rack at right. a finer department store yeah. like Saks. Right. Like but the wedding, like very the dress rare. for the Palazzo. That was the most expensive dress they right. ever bought. It was a Christian Dior simple sheath yeah. dress. I've heard it was every anywhere from six hundred to eight hundred dollars, but right. that would have been like, yeah, you'd be making decisions then. Okay, well, if do we get that, then we can't have that. Like that wasn't a loan. Right. That was a, a purchase. Buy. Yeah. yeah. What I think about with you is just how you live your life and you do live your life just like smartly and like you're a self-made human that has been working her whole life. And I think that there's an appreciation for what you have, what you've earned, you've imparted that with your children and that's important because it's easy not to. And it, well you're, I mean, I, I think all of us are making similar choices, we're trying to, you know. Yeah. For a bunch of reasons, whether it's because you always think you're going to be poor or you always think you're going to be broke, you right. know, some of us think like that or we're worried we will be. Right. Um, also because you don't want to blow through money foolishly and yep. spend it on things that don't really add up over time. And also you want your children to understand what it means to earn money, what it takes to earn money and the value of it and that they, the expectations will be the same for them. Yep. You know, Would Dolly you... Parton said that when she was growing up, she always had, no, like, let me say this. I think, she not didn't say this about growing up. I think maybe in terms of, someone will correct this quote, but it was either about taking care of family, okay. nieces and nephews, or the way she was raised. And I can't remember, so forgive me, but she always, she said... You always have everything you need, but not everything you want. Right. And I can't remember about what she was, who she was talking right. about. But I think it's a great way of living mm -hmm. for children. I agree. Um, that their needs are met to be fed and safe and loved and, you know, the important things in life. You know, books and yeah. food and interesting experiences and... They're warm in the winter and cool in summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? Like you're, the, 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 but the they human should pine needs. for things. They yeah. should want things, and we should also, I think, be interested in how do they contribute to the things at a certain yes, point. Exactly. You I know? said that to Ava too recently. Like she's at the age where I'm like, you know, okay, if you want something, now you have to figure out how to contribute to purchasing. Mm -hmm. that. You know, the, the the ease of Amazon and the ease of a telephone mm -hmm. makes things very easy and sometimes you, you forget you, how the mm. how it got there is it gorgeous is it good the gannette the burger perfect I might have you honestly do just a little box inside the column just about the burger <laughs> okay, right I can do that you know what I mean because I promised Bozzy's burger, the editors like little... that it would be more fish oh, okay. based because of the location but I might <laughs> since the burger here is so good let's, right. I mean, we might just do a box inside okay. the column All right. that, that would okay. make sense please I mean... leave the stuff in about the column <laughs> have I said that already <laughs> You are an avid reader. You have an imprint. Um, you, uh, I just got a book that you sent, which I have not yet started, and I can't wait. Is it a Quitter's wait. Paradise? Yes. Great. It and just got a beautiful review in the New York Times just this morning when you were picking really? me up. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. To the writer. Right, Congratulations to, the writer, to her, like, Alicia Chang. But also, like, I mean, you aren't you pick, right? I oh mean, yeah. You pick. So we pick. Both. But yes. I mean, you've always been a, a bookie, which I love. And um, 
Because of my mother. Really? Mm-hmm. She was a librarian? She wasn't, although actually she said she'd always wish that she had gotten her degree, you know, as a librarian, which is a very hard degree to get. It very, very hard degree to get. Really? But she was an educator. She had her, um, she's a graduate in, uh, she was, you know, her specialty was early childhood education. Um, but she taught up, yeah, so she taught up to second grade. And then she stopped after I was born. I'm one of eight kids, so she, and I'm the fourth of the eight. Um, but my mom always, my mother never let us leave the house without something to read. That meant even when we couldn't read. Right. So we would be in the car with, picture books or books that had words and we were not able to read them. She said, make up, make up your own story. And she would do the same. She would take us to, um, this was in Cincinnati, Ohio. We had an incredible library there. And, but she would also take us to the symphony and the opera and the ballet and art museums. And we always had a book and symphony to a very young child, forgive me, is very boring, Yeah. but she would let us have a book. So we would be hearing this beautiful music and then we'd be looking at a book, and the same in, in an art museum, you know, we get bored walking around, and you're tired, or you're little. Yeah. She'd just say, just sit on that bench, you've got your book. Right. Every now and then look around, see that beautiful painting what on loan. wisdom, like, holy moly. And there came a point in our lives as young adults where it just became our choice mm-hmm. to not leave the house without a book, yeah. or something to read, right. something to read. The idea of being stuck somewhere for two minutes or two hours or two months sometimes I see people get on the plane and there's nothing in their hands there is nothing, nothing. in right. their hands you're like and they're on a yeah yeah. I'm like what are you gonna do what are you gonna do right and it's valuable time and I, I'm, I don't mean a phone because that's the sad thing is most people are looking at their phones right. but like it, it just stuns me that you could and, and by the way listening to a book too like anything that makes an experience your own versus the way we all get information now, which is kind of siloed, like we're all getting it from the same source. But books take you elsewhere. They transport you. You learn about other cultures, other religions, other tribes, other villages, other yeah. countries, other food. And you're right. Other it's art. just you know. You said we uh, last summer we um, were meeting for dinner, and you were running just a little late, and you said, and you knew you were running late, and you said, bring a book. Yeah. That was like bring mm-hmm. a book. And now, I don't know if I would have brought a book, but I brought a book. Mm-hmm. I brought the book I was reading, and it was like, it was like You're never smart. alone. You're right, never alone. And you can also kind of avoid I talking to people. I wish we, you know, you grew up in New York, and it was so great. I know you were on subways early in the morning, and we all had our bus pass and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and, and buses too, like city buses. I thought there was, like, to me, there was nothing greater than getting on a bus or a subway early, early morning, and people got their New York Times out, and, you know, those people that knew how to fold the times yep and how about the people that wore the gloves yes because so, of the newsprint right exactly and people you could smell people's colognes mm-hmm. people's hair were wet from the showers you could smell like what they shampooed yep and you'd look around and you'd be like oh my god what is that book i've never seen that book you'd be talking to people what is that book mm-hmm. what are you reading what are you reading and everyone was sort of present because people didn't have things in Correct. their ears because they and didn't now, exist if you see a book on a subway car or a newspaper yeah. it's just Shocking. I mean, and you're like, oh my god, look, someone's reading. I'm like, Matthew, look, someone's reading a book. Sarah, Jessica, and Matthew are avid subway riders. Like, you're it's the smartest way. I know that, um, you you know, people that surprises people sometimes, but New York is that kind of city, and you also soak in. Like, when you like, yeah, what are your and I love to walk, so like, I'll walk forever in New York just to soak it all in. I'll make up a reason to walk, right? Mm -hmm. What, um, a given sort of Sarah Jessica has no work, which is a yep. very rare day. What is like a day for you that you enjoy in the city? Ideally, yeah, I'm very bad about getting out of the house. Once I'm out, it's fine, but I can think of a million things to do in the house. Mm-hmm. But ideally, I would, you know, have my headphones on early, walking, walking, listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. listening to WNYC. Um, Brian Lair, who's like one of my most favorite on-air personalities, hosts, thoughtful thinkers. But podcasts are a great friend because you can't read. And I don't listen to books. Right. So then maybe I would jump on a train and I would take the train with my book and i go to Chinatown, mm-hmm. you know, have some dumplings, have some lunch, have some noodles, some vegetables. Then I, might, then I would for sure maybe walk home from Chinatown listening, which I do. I don't. I mean, I've been to Chinatown 
going to say three or four times in the last two months. Because wow. <laughs> um, I love it. You've always loved it. You love really it. have. Love it. Yeah. I would say then I could make a pit stop at the Whitney on the way back, right. see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. That's like an ideal day. Yeah. You know. Um, Wrapping you home in the afternoon to then. Maybe have, the kids are coming home from school. Right. Or maybe I can take care of some stuff or some calls. Sure. or Cook walking. dinner. We cook every night. We cook every night. It's a source of huge amount of pride for everybody, but it's also like mystifying because we just don't order in as a family. And on the rare occasion we have, you, we we always hear like other families they do it, and then like one kid orders from this place and one kid. Yeah. It's so confusing. Everyone's now postmating their own meals into that one house. It's insane. But we really do cook. Five to six nights a week, for sure. We try to. We we have always have a Sunday dinner. We invite people. We often go on Sundays to Jeans. Do you know Jeans? I don't. Oh think my gosh! So. We go to Jeans. It's on Eleventh between Fifth okay. and Sixth, oh, closer yes. to Sixth Avenue. Six. You know, I live right around from there, and I've never been. It's a neighborhood establishment. It's been owned by the same yeah. family since the mid seventies. Mm-hmm. Two brothers. Um, now two brothers own it. It's. One of the most, it is the portrait of a local restaurant. It's Italian food. If you walk in there, you are bound to see at least five or seven of the same people you see every time you go there. It's a beautiful low ceiling Mm -hmm. room. You walk down some old beat up marble steps. There is a bar that greets you right in the front. That is one of the most beautiful little bars ever. Uh Um, That is just one big back room with the most lovely servers I have the same thing every time and I always talk with the kids like I'm like what am I going to order tell me what I'm going to you're going to get the veal piccata <laughs> extra large order you're going to get a side <laughs> order of the pasta pomodoro and um, we go around the table everybody knows right. what we're all going to order what's Love Papa, Papa going to order shrimp diavolo right. you know blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just a friendly place I know exactly where it is people talk to you they I've come up been. to the table they catch up yeah um, and then another place that we love is La Ripaille, you know it. It's been on Hudson for 40 years. It's Hudson just across, basically, from Bleecker Street Park. Okay. It's an old French yes. restaurant. Yep. Um, but that's, like, our family right. thing. And we'll say, like, we'll call Victor and Victor Garber and be like, right. oh, Victor's alone in town. Right, Victor right. will come for dinner. Or Jeffrey, Hickey, whoever. Yeah. You have, you, you, you Matthew, you have, you know, your tribe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a beautiful tribe. And I've, over the years... You know, you're part of it. Part, oh, you I, are. I was, no, thank you. No, no, no. If you no, were in New York. I feel. I know, but I, I, and I feel like I'm a. I feel like mm-hmm. we all have. We share something very special. Every time Matthew leaves you, he's like, he just <laughs> loves you so much. He is. Yeah, he really amazing. loves you. That's that means a lot to me. If and you lived here, you'd be at Jeans every Sunday too. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I love that in the sense of the family and the Sunday night and the rituals. Like this is all we got. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, and the kids then, they're gone before you know it. Yeah. And they're in their world. And you just hope that, okay, so these yeah. are really important moments. It's yeah. one of the reasons I come out here, because my parents are here and my sister's here. So just to make sure we do connect. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And it's not always perfect. There's always at least one fight over no, the dinner table. And eight, this one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, the other day, I, yesterday in the shower, I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe in this house. <laughs> this house. I go, well, maybe I haven't breathed in this house for over 20 years. It's possible. I haven't taken a deep breath. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. 
having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Table for Two. Sarah Jessica has been a close friend for years, but there's a story about us that I've never told her. And well, I'm just going to come out and finally tell her. So I want to share with you a story that is... You don't know the story. Uh-oh. It's one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. What? It happened with you. And it what? is... And I'm going to tell quickly because this is about... This lunch is about you, but this is... I ate is, all my lobster. <laughs> you, you ate all? Yeah, but you, yeah, you did. But you should because you love it. Oh, my God, no. There's a big... Literally, there's a claw left. <laughs> Take a picture from my editor. Hold on. <laughs> Click. Click. <laughs> okay, just quickly. I was a page at NBC. In 1990, I moved out to L.A. I was uh, just a super... You know, big fan. L.A. Story comes out. You guys, the cast of L.A. Story is on Phil Donahue. I had worked as a page on the show we in New Phil York. Donahue? You on Phil Donahue. What? Yep. I was I in the audience with my friend Stephanie. As a page or as a civilian? As a civilian now in L.A. You guys are all there. and I So just, Phil Donahue came to L.A.? He, came, he did a week of shows in L.A. Wow. You guys were doing pro- press. I and was this, it Mary the story Lenner and Steve Martin and me and, and Victoria Tennant and the guy the um, oh Richard English E. Grant yes yes Richard E. Grant yes all yes. of you lined up in your chairs oh, were we swiveling were they swivel chairs like no, Phil Donahue yeah. used to have no 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 they were, sorry they keep were, interrupting so okay just, and it's a, it's a story that goes nowhere with the exception of just I finally feel like I have to just get this off my chest oh my God, I can't wait. Stephanie's sitting next to me I raised my hand to ask a question for Sarah Jessica with no question, but just wanted to connect. So I raised my hand. The guy comes over with the mic. I, Always of course, with the mic. take the mic because I'm a pushy person. <laughs> Stephanie looked at me, and I'm uttering nothing. I mean, stuttering and uttering. Please, can we you call that just, up on Google? You look at me. You have face goes. You tilt like to the right. Like, what is he? What is this person doing? She has gone under her seat 
I was mortified. She couldn't stop me, and I'm, I have tears Can in my eyes. Can we please get it on the no. Google machine? But I just wanted you to know, that's how far, that's the moment wow. where I was like, oh my God, this so visceral connection. Question. You did ask a question. Eventually something came. Oh yeah, because we saw or the movie. Or was it a statement like, you're on TV? Have a question for no. Sarah Jessica? <laughs> no, yeah, wait. You're in a chair? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that story's now over. I yes, just had to finally. Oh, Bruce, that's that very touching. So, you know, wow. The other tradition that I have in my house is family stone, mm-hmm. and I'll say it over and over again. I actually posted it on Instagram when I watched it at Christmas time, and Diane Keaton on my feed. She doesn't she follow commented? me, she commented. Oh my gosh. I mean, hello. She's you know. beautiful it in that was, movie. Yeah, Love you were beautiful. Movie. You're incredible. Watching in that movie. her work on that movie was really. Why? Incredible. Because, you know, I think we did First Wives Club before that movie. I'm yeah. positive we did. Yes. So I had worked with her minimally because I don't have. I, I don't think my character had a lot of scenes with her. But, you know, I, I just think she's incredible. Yes. And so. I had, you know, I was on the set with her a lot. We rehearsed a lot, first of all, which was really interesting and very, I was really, really nervous. Um, But watching her work is a very interesting experience. She's really good. She's very, um, she has a process that's very real and very committed to. She always has headphones on with a, I'm going to say a disc man. Really? Even at the time was retro. Uh She's listening to music up until the director calls action. Something I'm sure that is specific to a scene or an emotion. Um, And she, so she takes the headphones off and puts them down someplace or hands them off to somebody. And she is different every time. Wow. I mean, appropriately for the scene. She's not you know, not telling the story. Right. But she's very, you know, for all of her laughter and the way she is on a talk show, which is funny and unpredictable yeah. mm-hmm. and kind Quirky of deeply and, honest mm-hmm. and shocking yep. in her transparency. But she's just so freaking good. So to watch her do her work like that, because yep. you don't understand how somebody who appears so effortlessly real on screen... You know, she's not. So that's it was just very. I was like, oh, so you can you can be a serious person on the set. You can not talk to people when you don't need to talk to people. You can be, you know, focused and quiet and kind of private. Like, if someone has headphones on, you're not going to bother them. Right. And it wasn't unsocial. Mm-hmm. It was serious. Yep. But it was wasn't hostile. Do you know what I mean? Like, there yeah. was no one around her keeping you from talking to her. Right. But it was incredible to watch her work, and she's just magnificent. Your business life is so profound. I mean, the fragrances, the shoes, the new shoe store, which is beautiful on Thank Perry you. Street. Gorgeous. What was that experience like, and uh, being in the hot that side of hospitality where you're selling your shoes to a customer and putting them on their foot how is like again people would be like really (laughs) (laughs) but it's beautiful it's the same honestly you know this you can describe it just as well it's the exact same thing as what you did at your family restaurant for your entire life it's taking care of the customer what does that mean everything Mm -hmm. it's from the smallest littlest thing to the most important, to the stuff that's more obviously big. Right. So you're on your hands and knees, putting shoes on people, taking them off, re, you know, running back to the stock room, trying to get what they need, trying to find what they need. If we don't have it, looking online, you know, making sure we can do a special order for this one who's leaving town. Her flight's at five o'clock. Right. Whatever it takes to meet the customer's needs, requests, mm-hmm. and then. 10 steps beyond that. Right. You never, you never stop at that. You go well beyond that, you know? Um, so that's what it is to have a store. It's like, it's like inviting someone into your home and then saying, you know, find the towels. I know you've never been here yourself, but (laughs) good luck, you know, find the towels and there's some spices 
in that room over right. there. You you can't do that to and a customer. And honestly, you're the kind of professional person that if you're going to put anything that is about your name on something, it is going to reflect quality, elegance. So, like, you being able to go into the store, work in the store, or just go buy that store to make sure, okay, yeah, how does it look? Is it Correct. clean? Are the shoes placed the way they that we wanted this season's shoes to look? Correct. Very important. All the time. And for people that work, not to always know. It's just part of the exactly. it's part of the drill. Were you blown away that you created a drink that is worldwide known and associated with Carrie Bradshaw? Well, I you know I didn't create it. I had nothing to do with it. Um, I I know that when we first started drinking them on the show. The ones on the show were that kind of cosmopolitan that you later learn are not the good ones. They were, first of all, ours weren't real. They were cranberry right. juice and water. Right. But there is, you can go to a bar and be served a cosmopolitan that is like just cranberry juice. You know when it's like almost Bordeaux colored? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like a pinky kind of Bordeaux yeah. or I know what you're berry about. color. Right. So I never drank cosmopolitans. I thought they were... Terrible. Um, You're not a big drinker. So it was years and years. I would people would send them over to me, so not kindly. People would right. send them over, and I would say thank you and raise a glass and take a sip and think like, what is the, what is all the fuss about? <laughs> and then one day I was somewhere and someone sent a cosmopolitan over and it was opaque, pale pink, fleshy, like you could see the. Um, a little bit of pulp of whatever citrus had been used with a twist, freezing cold. Right. And I was like, oh, right. this is a cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. I get it now. Right. And I love them now. Yeah. And that's been, I would say, I really started drinking cosmopolitans that I chose on my own uh-huh. and would order. Yep. I'm going to say like six, seven years ago. Right. And I love them. I don't know that we ever expected from the show, from drinking them, that it would turn into a thing. Well, I mean, you know? I, that I think just, again, testament to all the touch points yeah. and the power of the show yeah. in the zeitgeist of the moment that people were like, oh, and the creation of Carrie Bradshaw that with the influence that this character had yeah. that lives in... It's funny. It's just... Was, but you can't think about these things too much, and you can't try to write... Right, you can't them right. That, or it's create natural. them. It, it has, has to, be, to be from right. the truth. story and truth, just or truth. it just looks like you're just trying to make a moment. Right. I mean, you if know? you're trying to achieve the end result, you you're going to fail. Like that. You can't. 100%. You got it's, it's, it's every I always day. say, like, you can't write, like, start with a result and then write kind of into it backwards like that. Yeah. It's just awful. Sarah, Jessica, and I have had such a fun and delicious lunch today. Thank you all for pulling up a chair. I hope you have too. But as our time together comes to an end, I want to congratulate Sarah, Jessica, on 25 years of sex in the city and hear her thoughts about its continued success. We sort of are wrapping up our lunch, Miss <gasps> Barker. And I just want to say, if, like okay. everyone's listening, there's like a lot of stuff for you to like, I hope, lean into when it comes to Sarah Jessica Parker, Aww. which is not just, and just like that, which is, congratulations, thank so you. good. I mean, thank it's just you. amazing. And you thanks. know I love it. The, and thanks to everybody who's been watching it and who has been part of the family of it for so long. You know, we just celebrated the 25th anniversary of Sex and the City. And it's hard to try to communicate or articulate the kind of I always use the word gratitude but for the it's the gratitude that we feel for the people who have chosen to keep us in their lives yeah. you know we weren't on a free television station right people made choices about how they were going to spend the time and, and how they were going to spend their money to be honest and yeah. kept us in their lives for 25 years and have joined us on this next chapter mm-hmm. with such enthusiasm and such spirit and goodwill and excitement and it's obviously the only reason we do it is for this right. audience who has been a point of inspiration for us mm-hmm. and been loving and hard on us and have really high expectations so it's an honor to try to do right by this long relationship 
Well, it is joyful to watch. Mm-hmm. And Thanks. I thank you for giving me 25 years of that. Aww. And... A very long, real friendship. Um, oh my gosh! It's very meaningful. I love, you, so I love much. you too. I love you more than all the other people who come on this show. I know you better. I love you more. <laughs> you, you know what? It's a right back at you. It's a contest. <laughs> anyway, everyone's like, "Oh, Bruce, <laughs> you don't know." Don't forget to go online, read the review of the Gannett. <laughs> yes. And uh, it typically, I've got it. A couple people on vacation. My editor be a little slow. went on holiday for okay. a couple days. Mm-hmm. Typically takes the weekend, <laughs> which I want to give him because you know yeah. you're on twenty four seven when you're you in go. the newspaper yeah, business. Yeah. So um, I'll make sure your followers you. know how to when it posts. And yeah, the, little, the burger box. And some of you thank guys you. still get the hard copies yeah. from your local newspapers, and you know who you are. Anyway, thank you for listening today on Table Thanks for, for Two. Lunch. You got it. Love you, Smokey. Have fun. I love you too. <laughs> Table for Two with Bruce Bozzi is produced by iHeartRadio, 737 Park, and Airmail. Our executive producers are Bruce Bozzi and Nathan King. Table for Two is researched and written by Bridget Arsenault. Our sound engineers are Paul Bowman and Alyssa Midcalf. Table for Two's LA production team is Danielle Romo and Lorraine Virez. Our music supervisor is Randall Poster. Our talent booking is by Jane Sarkin. And a special thank you to all the people who work at the Lobster Roll, better known as Lunch on Montauk Highway, and a special shout-out to Andrea. Thank you so much. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.